Oh, but today I, <laughs> I tell everybody. <laughs> It's okay. No one listens to this podcast anyway. <laughs> Welcome to Mosaic of China, a podcast about people who are making their mark in China. I'm your host Oscar Fuchs. Today's episode is with the film director Elaine Huang. Our conversation starts off predictably. I ask her the kind of questions you would expect me to about her experiences as a film director, her background, her personal opinions about the film industry in China, do do do, and then the conversation evolves. This is one of those episodes where we go into very personal territory. And you may remember that I mentioned in the intro episode to season three that I was also going to try and inject a little more of myself into the interviews this season. Today's episode represents perhaps the most I am ever going to share on this podcast. I couldn't have done so without today's guest also being so open and so generous about sharing her story. So I want to say a very big thank you to Elaine right from the start. I should also say from the start that if you're listening right now in the middle of a painful part of your life, maybe skip this episode until you're in a more reflective space. Thank you very much for coming, Elaine. You're welcome. We're doing this recording in my house because the studio I'm using right now, someone in that building had been close to somebody who had COVID. Right. So they closed the whole building. I think it's already opening in a few days. Right. So it's a good example of how China is still managing COVID. If there is even a friend of a friend who came close to somebody, then whole buildings still get shut down. So this has affected us. Luckily, you could still come to my house. Right. So listen out for the background noises outside my lane. <laughs> yes. Elaine, in a nutshell, what do you do here in China? Right now, I would call myself a filmmaker. I'm、uh, working on a featured film.、Uh, hopefully, will happen next year. I'm assuming that your film was also affected by COVID. Yes, it's supposed to happen in 2020. Two years postponed. Yeah,、so. but、um, it sounds like things are on the move again. Yes, excited. <laughs> yes. Well, before we go into that story, what object did you bring that represents your life here in China? An orange balloon. <laughs> <laughs> what is the meaning of that? Well,、um, it's quite a improvisational thinking. My boy has been playing with it. You know, the balloon is very thin skin, and、um, when you blow it big, it's quite risky. Sometimes in in China, like the pressure, you kind of like feeling something is wrong or like ah, what happened? But the balloon is beautiful, <laughs> and in different circumstances, it's lovely to have.、Mm. So this is can represent my life in China right now, and also it's an object my boy is playing. So it's my life also with this boy. Right.、And、like we are all like kindergarten children. You have to behave yourself,、uh, especially in, as filmmakers or artists. You feel so many restrictions,、mm. and you cannot do this. You cannot do that. And even smoke a cigarette in the scene. The actor is doing the move of smoking cigarette, but you didn't see the cigarette. You just see the smoke. Absurd,、uh, funny things happen in China, but this just one thing of that. Yeah. 
Well, let's talk about your work then. So,、mm-hmm. how would you describe your work?、Uh, I'm a film director writer. Aha.、Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. This、uh, project actually began in、uh, 2016 when I first tried to promote my script to reach some producers and to get some fundings on it. It's a very difficult journey because, first of all, it needs a lot of money and actors. And what comes first can draw the other. Like、mm. if you have money, and then you can appeal to some、uh, good actors. If you have good actors, then money will come.、Mm. My situation is that actors are all want to come to my project because they like the script. But then my type of film,、uh, like maybe it's just too serious about like family issues. So I've been waiting for the money for quite a long time. And sometimes money come, but it's not the right money. People would say like, "I want this, I want that" in your film, which I don't want. So it's getting really difficult to get money, especially for our serious films, like not try to please kind of films. Yeah.、Mm. So you like to focus on films that have a serious topic. Yes. Even if it's difficult, I will <laughs> keep doing this.、Mm. Yeah. Well, before we talk about your film, why don't we talk about your background? How did you get into film production and film directing?、Mm-hmm. Um, I went to college,、uh, Chinese literature, and then I don't know how and when I developed a big interest in theaters. So I went to Beijing. I did the postgraduate degree in theater directing. Then in 2007, I went to London and do the art administration and cultural policy.、Uh, I did that because I wanted to make my own play, and I, I think I need some、uh, producing knowledge. So I went to London. I watch a lot of plays when I was in UK. I think maybe I spend more time to do that than I spend time in class.、Mm. So when I got back to China in 2010, I was so ambitious to be a theater director, and then I found out that was a big difference. Comedies are the main place in Beijing, so I didn't think it was a good atmosphere or environment to make plays, and and I tried. But couldn't find investment. People really didn't appreciate serious topic. You know, they would call you too academic. Ah,、um, then I met this American producer who wanted to make a musical in Beijing. He saw my work in the National Theater, and I was asked to meet him. And he said, "I like your play," and I worked with him for two months on the play. And then halfway through, and he changed his mind. He wanted to do a musical film instead. Oh, so not a theater. He wanted to switch to film. Yeah, and then I told him that I don't have film knowledge. I'm a theater director. And then he said, like, who can say that they can do a musical film in China? <laughs> and I, and、no、he、one. said, <laughs> <laughs> there was one Hong Kong director, Peter Chan. He did a musical film. But John, the producer, said he rather have a director who has theater background. So he sent me to、uh, New York, and he paid for the school, and I went to NYU continue、uh, education. I spent two years there. I practice shooting films, 
And when I got back to Beijing, I shot music videos and short films. He financed two years of study just so you can do his musical film. Mm-hmm. Yes, but we couldn't agree on the script, so we. <laughs> Didn't work together.、Uh-huh. <laughs> After all that, maybe we're just too artistic,、uh-huh. so we we didn't work together. But that was your move from theater to film, right? Yes, that's, that's what opened the door to film. Yes. And、mm-hmm. now, do you still do theater, or you've left that part of your life behind?、Um, I will be back. I think because after this feature film, I really want to do like maybe a play or a musical for the same script. I still have this big passion on theater.、Yeah. Well, since we're talking about theater, it reminds me of the way that we know each other, which is from the referral of Bjorn Dalman. Yes. From last season, let's hear what he had to say about you. Well, I have a very good friend. She's. In a way, part of my China history、uh, because she was an associate director in that project that brought me to Shanghai. Her name is Elaine or Huang Qiling. She's a very good friend, a film director mainly these days. I think you should have a chat with her. I think she might have some really nice perspectives on things. <laughs> I missed him.、Uh, we were both on the Shanghai theater performance. We spent time together. We worked on that for two months. And when I was in New York, he had a performance there. So he traveled from Sweden, and he stayed in my apartment in the sofa. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we just have so much common passion, and when we talk about. Shows and we were like just so excited, yeah. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Well, I hope it's not too long before you can be reunited. I know Bjorn would very much like to come back to Shanghai. Of course, yes. <laughs> well, you mentioned that you might want to convert this project you're doing into a theater piece. Yes. So why don't we talk about this project? What is going to be the content of the movie? This story、uh, is inspired by my cousin's family history. My uncle was one of those first generation who got very rich during 1980s in Guangzhou. He was a worker in the factory. One of his first jobs is just to、um, hold dead pigs. What's that called? Like like take、hmm? dead pigs from from here to there, like、oh. within the factory. And then those days we don't have like enough electricity supply. Yeah. So he imports this kind of machine generators、oh. from Hong Kong in hotels, hospitals, factories. Wow! So he, yeah, he was a big money guy. Men, when they become rich, they tend to have more options, right? <laughs> and then、oh. he he has double life. He has two families. Really? Yes. So then my cousin, she just torture herself. And she has this eating disorder. Oh,、so、like anorexia. Yes.、Ah. Because actually, she found out when she's sick, her father will come back home. Oh, I see. So she actually forced herself to become sick. Right.、Mm. Mm-hmm. I think she didn't realize that could be that serious. Even my aunt somehow allow her to do that to make sure the family is complete. And then my cousin almost died from that、uh, disease. She was in hospital, and doctors already tell the family that she might be gone soon. 
She was just 25 kilogram.、Mm. Mm. We all didn't know. Thirty something, we sat together and have a cup of coffee. And she told me this. At that time, my uncle was、um, in a very serious situation. He, he almost died in two thousand and thirteen. My cousin didn't talk to him for like over ten years. The family was broken. But I know how much my uncle loved her, and I asked my cousin to visit him. Yes, my uncle has another family, has another daughter, but we, I don't want her to miss that chance to talk to him. She did. She had a boy, a little boy, and she told me that she saw my uncle in tears holding the little boy, and she feels like she can let go of the hatred just right before my uncle passed away. And in the funeral, I saw my cousin kneel down and just crying, and kept saying, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry."、Mm. That really moved me and made me decide to really have to make this into a film. And what is her opinion on your project? How much are you sharing with her? I share almost everything with her in different stage. Like I keep telling her, right now I have this as my candidate for my uncle, for your father, <laughs> and I need to ask her almost like a permission. Do you like this actor <laughs> to be your father? Even my aunt, she's very supportive. Like she would kind of like joking, like, "Oh, the reality is more dramatic than the film." <laughs> <laughs> Because when I talk to many of my friends, especially girls, I heard so many similar stories between dad and daughter. Because my my family also, my mom passed away when I was a child. So I kind of feel like if you have the chance, why don't you just talk to your parents or express your love? That's what I was. Thinking, but when I talked to them, one of them told me, "Imagine if your father would hold a knife to your mom because of just two hundred kwai or something. How can you forgive this person?" That's why I kind of rewrite my script several times because all this information comes to me, and I don't try to persuade anybody to forgive someone, but just to. Show them they might not see this kind of facts. Like in my script, I write about everybody has this kind of situation. Somehow we make a mistake, we lost the chance to correct it, but that doesn't mean that we don't care.、Mm. Mm. Yes, right now I talk about that and still feel like、mm, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes.、Um, and this, to me, it sounds like a, a universal situation between sons, daughters, mothers, and fathers. Mm, mm, mm. Do you think that there is a specific aspect to this which is more common in China? As we all know, that in China, this kind of economic change all happens in this short time, and people are not prepared to adjust themselves to this ever-changing situation. I also try to communicate with the audience in my script that the mom would keep saying that money, 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 make better lives. That's their starting point. I don't think it's wrong. So that's why I think people will make mistake. Like people can see this and take a step back. Yeah.、Mm. 
I mean, I understand what you're saying. When people look at what's happened in China, they see how amazing it has been that people have gone from poverty to mm. a healthy standard of living in just one generation, in half a generation. What your story says is it's not just about the money side. There has to be also the emotional side as well, right? Right. Right. I can see why this is taking up a lot of your mental energy because it's so personal. It's so it close is. to you. It is. I put half of myself into this character. Oh, really? Of course. Their stories are similar. I mean, I also have a stepmom, not because my father had an affair, but my mother passed away when I was young. In the script, my cousin went to a study abroad for seven, eight years. And when she went back, she had to let go of that trauma. That's the, the message of the story. So this actually, it's half of my That's own, your life. <laughs> my, my life when I came back and I, oh. I had to pick up where I left. You know, you have to face it and try to solve it. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the part that I relate to the most mm. because... When you said that your mother died when you were young, mm -hmm. actually, that's the same with my story. Right. My mother died when I was 11 years old. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you are comfortable to talk about this, because in China, it's never easy talking about death, right? It is not. Right? <laughs> people are very scared to discuss it. But I feel a, always a closer connection to people like you, who have also lost a parent very young, mm -hmm. and work through it. Mm -hmm. When you said you were working through your trauma, what did you mean from your perspective? Mm, I worked on it. I have been working. I still making efforts to work on it. Yes, even uh, now, right? I think it is. You cannot really overcome that in your whole life. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, it's really difficult. Really difficult. Mm. Well, I'm looking at your object, the orange balloon. And I can see exactly why this has a meaning for you. I understand. And I'm the same. Sometimes life to me is this big balloon and it's cheerful and colorful and I can meet interesting people and enjoy my life. And then sometimes the same balloon gets smaller. I actually think we're very similar. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I didn't expect to empathize with somebody over an orange balloon, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about this as you were talking. I wonder how similar we are. Let's play bingo about what character traits you have and I have in common. Okay. Is this a thing about people who lose a parent very early in their life? <laughs> Do you think that you have a tendency to go into depression and then you come out? Like, do you have ups and downs? Absolutely, yes. Because people sometimes think I'm very sociable. Yes. And even in my script, you can see kind of very split laying into it. Yeah. Because I have this sense of humor when I speak my mother language. I, I'm very funny. Yes. I'm almost the funniest person in my college dorm. I can always make them laugh, but I'm not that person. Yes. But I am that person. Yes, it's the same. <laughs> I'm exactly uh, the same. Right. That's a very good coping mechanism, right? When mm. you, you can use it almost as a barrier sometimes mm -hmm. because it's shielding your emotions. Right. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I had an ex-partner and he was always annoyed because he saw those two worlds and he thought, hey, you're so fake. 
how come you are this person in one situation and you're this person in another? And it's very difficult to explain. Like, no, it's the same person. Right. It's the same person. Like, yeah. That's it. There's people who don't know you. They think, oh, she's too much. She's right. always yes. playing the clown. But people who know you better, they're、mm-hmm. the ones who know both sides, right? Yeah. Okay. Bing, bing, bing. We have bingo there. Yes, We have bing, a match. <laughs> the next thing.、Uh, let me think. Here's one more thing I have. If my husband is running late, if it's like two hours later than normal,、mm-hmm. I think that he is dead. Bingo! Bingo! Oh God! <laughs> I knew it. I can't stop myself. I'm like, I, I picture him in a car crash. <laughs> I, I do this every second almost. You do the same. I do the same. Like I, I contacted my lead a few days ago. She didn't reply for a few days. I thought, no. No, you are the biggest star in my film. You you cannot die. You cannot, <laughs> you cannot have any accident or. Yeah, yeah, isn't it funny? And I'm aware. I know I have this. I think they call it death anxiety. I know I have it, and yet I can't stop from thinking it. Wow. I wonder how many people have this. I just have this big fear of my loved ones died. Like every day, every day. That's why I'm making a documentary of this Swedish undertaker who worked in China. Oh, I've been doing this since last year, because I couldn't do my feature for him. It's a business, but you're drawn to this as a subject, right? Hmm.、Mm. Mm. Okay, let's do the next bingo. Do you have anger issues? <laughs> She's nodding. Like in daily life, I do nowadays.、Yeah. These days, my anger is about why me. Yeah, yeah,、right. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I can be angry with who, but it's just why me. This is interesting. So it's like a kind of victim complex. Right. Yeah, I、mm. see. I have to be careful because I can go into this victim mentality very, very easily. Even small things, right?、Mm-hmm. And I feel so stupid when this happens because I have a good life, right? Right? I、yeah. actually don't think about the bad things too often.、Mm-hmm. But then, when there is a small thing that happens, absolutely, yes. Yeah, same with you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Most of the time, I can be balanced. Don't pity yourself. Don't be pathetic. I hate that, and I hate people behave like that too. Yes.、Um, but it's there. It's, it's there. It's there. Yes, I think being aware of it at least it's part of the solution. Because when I feel myself going into that situation, I at least I have to engage my brain and say, Oscar, don't、Stop. do that. Yeah. Okay, this is a good therapy session right now. <laughs> Actually, everything we're saying is negative. Just to finish on this bingo, I feel that it gives us one major superpower. I really feel it with your project as a filmmaker, which is empathy.、Mm-hmm. There's always something which I can empathize with. Look to the humanity of someone,、mm-hmm. even if they come across as someone who is, let's say, angry or who is not someone who other people would empathize with. I can always empathize with people. Is that also the same? Yes. Sometimes it even make myself feeling good, like I'm a good person. Yeah. Yeah.、Mm. Yeah. I think that's the power we have to decide to use. Right. All the other things. They can overpower this one aspect, but if we、mm. decide to focus on that positive, I think all the other negative side washes away. So this is what I try and work on every day. I know I have this skill, but I have to really want to use it. 
Maybe the film is just a metaphor or a representative of all these efforts. Yeah, I think so.、Mm. Especially because you can work on someone else, right? It's close, but it's also distant because it is—it is your cousin's story. It's not、mm. your story. And it's yet, protecting myself. Because it, I always、yeah. tell people that this is my cousin's story. Yeah, that it's my feelings, my emotions,、yeah. my my trauma as well. Yeah. Oh, but today I, <laughs> I tell everybody. <laughs> it's okay. No one listens to this podcast anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much,、okay. Elaine. You're welcome, Oscar. <laughs> Let's move on to part two. Okay. So the ten questions. Question one, which comes from Shanghai Daily. What is your favorite China-related fact? Cantonese is not a dialect; it is a language. Ah. That's what I heard, and then I by do it today, and it's Cantonese is still a dialect, but、uh, we can call it a language, because Cantonese has its own kind of characters. Hang on, so this is you being a proud Cantonese person, right? You want to think that it's a language, but it is still a dialect, <laughs> <laughs> right? In Hong Kong, when they speak Cantonese, they use the fantizi, right, the traditional script. Yes. But in Guangdong, you speak Cantonese, but you would use the simplified Chinese. Simplified Chinese, yes. So, what do you mean when you say that there's a different written language? Because it's the same written language as Mandarin, no? No, it's not. We have different grammar. Oh. Between Cantonese and Mandarin. And we don't have same phrase for some things. Of so, course. Yeah. Well, the fact is that it is a dialect, but in our heart, we can still treat it like a different language. Yes. Question two, which comes from Rosetta Stone: Do you have a favorite word or phrase in Chinese? I would say I have a favorite phrase in Cantonese. Yeah, give me that one. <laughs> Like、fire. <laughs> wow, your energy suddenly changed. <laughs> do you understand that? I do not understand. Okay. Say it once more. Ding like a fire. Ding like a fire. Okay, I obviously got it wrong because she's laughing now. <laughs> no, you're not wrong, but it's not a, a polite. Not not. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's vivid. It's、mm. um like in real life.、Mm. To me, like Mandarin, sometimes it's like a formal language. To me,、mm. maybe I'm not the native speaker. Yeah, that's like an emotional distance between the two languages.、Mm-hmm. Okay, and what does your phrase mean? It means. You're you're bad. How can you do that? Ah, literally means I'm punching your luck. Punching your lung. Lung. Oh, yeah, punching your lung. What is the equivalent phrase in Mandarin? Just the cow in Mandarin. Oh, yes. Oh, so it's actually rude. Not that rude, but like I said, it's very vivid. Like、oh. punch your luck. <laughs> I will ask you for how you write it later. Okay. Next question, and this comes to us from Naked Retreats. What is your favorite destination in China? Hainan Province. Ah,、oh. because I'm a sea person. Right.、Mm, I got too much darkness inside. Yes. So I need sunshine. Yes. I need space. I need brightness. Yes.、Mm. Very good. And of course, going south—that must be almost like going home to Guangzhou. Yes. <laughs> Do you have any family still in Guangzhou? Yes. Yes. So if they see that you go to Hainan and don't go to Guangzhou, do they get angry? <laughs> no, because always the next stop would be Guangzhou. Oh, they, good. They they know I'm going home. <laughs> okay, so you take a detour through、yes. Hainan. Yes. Smart. 
Next question. If you left China, what would you miss the most, and what would you miss the least? I will miss the food. No, no, you、most. can't say that.、Uh, If it's food, you've got to give me one hot pot. Hot pot, spicy style. Spicy style. Not necessarily my favorite food, but I enjoy having hot pot with friends. It's the atmosphere. My, it's the、yeah. atmosphere. Because I lived in Beijing for eight years, I get used to spicy food. And what would you miss the least? I can't stand people walking in the lift without waiting. Yes. I. This is the tiny thing, but I, to me, like I, I can't understand. I absolutely agree. In fact, another lady from China, Michelle Chu, she said the same thing. Right. Okay. About the thing that she would miss the least. Funnily enough, there was an English lady called Ros Coleman in、uh. season one, and she attributes this to something called Shanghai Flow, where people in Shanghai they always need to be on the move. They don't wait. They don't stop.、Mm. I understand that, but when it comes to elevators, no, stop and let me out first, right? Yeah. And I will say that naturally, especially when I'm in not not in a good mood. Yeah, <laughs> I will say, "Can you just wait?" <laughs> I know, this is the angry child side of you and、oh. me, right? But it's not reasonable. How can I get out if you come in first? Yeah, <laughs> let's not talk about it because we're going to get angry. <laughs> Next question: Is there anything that still surprises you about life in China? Oh, you can order medicine in midnight, and it delivered it to you in. Half hour or something. Yeah, I love this. It's so convenient. I know people often talk about ordering food, but they don't realize in China you can order all kinds of things at any time of the night. Yes. We'll move on quickly. I know you have to rush. Next question comes from Smart Shanghai. What is your favorite place to go out to eat or drink or just hang out? French concession. The trees, the streets, the feeling of wandering around here. It makes me happy. Yes, people say the French concession. We should always say it's the former French concession. Oh, the former French yeah. concession. Yeah,、okay. <laughs> but I'm glad that it's not、uh. just the foreigners who make that mistake. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Next question: What is the best or worst purchase you recently made? Oh, iMac. Oh, you bought an iMac.、Um, an iMac. Yeah, I love it. That's for your work. <laughs> yes, for my work. There you go. Next question: What's your favorite WeChat sticker? Okay, send it to me now. <laughs> Is it lovely? Ah, it's a pig, pigy dancing in a glass skirt, expressing my happiness. <laughs> your spirit animal. <laughs> uh, what is your go-to song to sing at KTV? It's a Cantonese song. 等到花儿也谢了 I wait until the flower drops. Okay, tell me about that song. It's a love song. It's a Broke up song like a sad person would say, "Oh, I wait until the flowers dead." You would feel that wow, this person is so much in love, like that kind of feeling. Nice. Not not really like a negative thing. Okay, I'll check it out. And finally, this comes from JustPod. What or who is your biggest source of inspiration in China? Nature. Mm. I enjoy walking under the trees, even just seeing the leaves shining. It makes me feel like I'm living, I'm alive, and there's so much you can cherish in the world. Beautiful.、Yeah. Mm. What a nice way to end our discussion. Thank you so much, Elaine. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. <laughs> and before you leave, who is the person you would recommend that I interview in the next season of Mosaic of China? Wenimo, Wang Dong. Okay, who's that? 
<laughs> it's a he. He's a photographer. He's a set designer. He's an artist. He's been doing nude photography. He's a very interesting man. He's a good friend. Okay, I'm intrigued. I can't wait to meet him. His name is Wanimal. You said. Yeah, because his family is Wang,、mm. and he call himself Animal. So Wanimal. Perfect. And if you had one question that you would ask Wanimal, what would you ask him? Okay, then would you have me as your model? <laughs> would you? <laughs> nice question. Would you do it? I would. Why not? Okay, this could be the next project for Mosaic of China. In that case, <laughs>、okay. everyone who does the project has to have a nude photo. Oh, good, <laughs> good from Wenimo. Yes, he would be thrilled. <laughs> Thanks again, Elaine. You're welcome. The big update is that Elaine finally managed to shoot her film earlier this year in Guangzhou, and she's now in Hong Kong working on the edit and post-production. The film's title is Ursha Suwei, or Twenty Four Flavors, which is also the name of a Cantonese herbal tea. It's a healing remedy that contains a multitude of bitter and sweet tastes. It was a big challenge to film during the pandemic period, so Elaine wanted me to convey her gratitude for all the support she got from family and friends and the local government too. She added that some of the opinions she expressed about the film industry in our recording would be different today. So I'm already looking forward to hearing about how everything went down when we record our catch-up interview next season. The film should have been released by then. Elaine estimates it should come out in the second half of 2023. So let's keep our eyes open for that. Just a few points of clarification. Firstly, Elaine mentioned that she baidu'd something. That's the equivalent of googling it elsewhere. Secondly, she mentioned that she made a documentary about a Swedish undertaker. That was a slip of the tongue. It was a Belgian undertaker. The name of that piece is the Soul Consoler, or Lao Wei in Chinese. And thirdly, we mentioned Guangzhou and Guangdong somewhat interchangeably in our conversation. So let me be a bit clearer about that. Guangdong is the province. It's what English speakers might call Canton, where the Cantonese dialect comes from. It's the big province on the mainland just north of Hong Kong, where, of course, they also originally speak Cantonese. And Guangzhou is a city. It's the capital city of Guangdong Province, and the third largest by population in China. And I've never been there. <laughs> Ouch! I will need to try and fix that by season four. The biggest disclaimer of all is that all the things that came up in our game of childhood bereavement bingo were totally unscientific. There are so many ways in which these things can manifest, so please take that whole exercise as a demonstration of empathy between Elaine and I, rather than anything else. You know, when some people try to summarize Mosaic of China, I often hear them say things like, "Oh, it's about foreigners in China," or "Oh, it's about entrepreneurs in China." Of course, I don't like to correct them because I'm just grateful that they're talking about the podcast at all. But it's nice to have the excuse to point out that this project is just about life, which happens to be taking place in China. Many, many past guests have also shared deep personal and family experiences. So, in particular, I would like to point you to the Chinese comedian Maple Zhuo from season one, episode two, or the ultramarathon athlete Greg Nance from season one, episode twenty-three. And of course, Jiyong, the transgender teacher from season two, episode thirty. 
As always, you can see all the extra images and graphics accompanying Elaine's story on social media or at the Mosaic of China website, where you can also find the links to subscribe to the longer edition of today's episode on the premium version of the show. Here are some clips from that. Before money come from the mine owners, kind of like money laundry. A rule comes into place, and you have to suddenly reshoot your film. <laughs> right. They try so hard, but they couldn't keep up, so they lost their chance. They do their work. They do their job. I'm like, how do you do it? Right. Actors in Guangzhou, they more like the sitcom actors, to exaggerate.、Um, Exaggerated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When people decide to get married, they do it for very pragmatic reasons, right? <laughs> yes, some of them. And the owner said, "Where are you from? Korea? <laughs> Korean?" Mosaic of China is me, Oscar Fuchs, with artwork by Denny Newell. Today's premium version has an extra 25 minutes of content, which come not just from the full-length version of my chat with Elaine, but also from the catch-up interviews I had with two previous guests. Whose names have already been mentioned today: the Swedish clown Björn Dalman from season two, episode seventeen, and the Chinese comedian Maple Zwar from season one, episode two. You can hear shorter versions of those chats coming up after the music, and I'll see you here again next week. Hey Björn, how are you? Hey Oscar, I am great. I'm in the middle of my vacation. It's a beautiful <laughs> Swedish summer. Well, we did our original interview remotely while you were in Uppsala in Sweden because you were locked out of China at that point. We had every expectation that the next time we caught up would be in Shanghai again, but、uh, it hasn't happened. <laughs> I know it's it's a mess. I am longing to get back. You know, I still dream about Shanghai. I dream in my dreams. I'm in Shanghai, and it's just bizarre. I, I'm not getting used to this situation at all. Well, this is it. It's now been what two years already. It, it must be feeling like a proper dislocation at this point. Well, it totally does. I mean, on all levels, my good friends in Shanghai, my work, everything. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your work. For anyone who didn't listen to your episode from season two, you are a professional sure. clown, and you are known here in Shanghai as the Frog King. Correct. <laughs> That is correct. Yes. So, what are you doing now? Are you still making a living as a clown full time, or are you broadening your work across other theatrical projects? Well, originally, I am more of a traditional actor, like text-based theatre, and also director. Clowning came in quite late in my life. So, back here in Sweden, I run my own theatre company, where I am more of a director, scriptwriter. Actor, of course, the clowning is always there. I created new clown shows. I just came back from a tour, actually, to Poland、uh, with、oh. Clowns Without Borders. We were playing for、uh, Ukrainian orphans, so the clowning is still going on. Well, that's good because in my mind, I was imagining that the poor Frog King was just a red nose on the floor, like discarded in the corner. But no, 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 no. The, the clowning is—it's developing. Things are happening. Absolutely.、Yeah. Is there an idea that you might be able to remotely connect with your network back here? Actually, it happened. I did a few online shows in China during the pandemic, and it worked quite well. It was a very strange experience. Me、yeah. and sometimes a colleague 
alone in a room performing for a camera phone for 20 minutes. And we were like, <laughs> it felt like we performed for two hours. We were so exhausted because you don't get the feedback. Yes. But it's been very interesting in China because we are working a lot with this concept uh, training of trainers. And in China, there were just no interest in that. So that is one of the big things I need to crack, you know, teach teachers how to be playful, how to play. We yeah. will get there, but I think it's a long-term ambition. Yeah. Well, this is where you're needed to come and be that physical embodiment of that whole philosophy. And it is a philosophy. I still remember how you are trying to allow people to embrace their mistakes. And of course, that's the yeah. big cultural piece that is quite hard to engage with here in China. It's something which I often think about just in my day-to-day -day here. So maybe I am trying to be that clown on your behalf. I'm making a lot of mistakes all the time. <laughs> please, please. I, I am so proud of you. <laughs> that's interesting because we talk a lot about this, that, oh, in China, you're not allowed to lose face. I mean, you're not allowed to lose face anywhere in the world. Right. In China, you talk about it in a very special way. It is a part of the culture to a much higher extent, but it's not unique for China. I agree. And this is always the line that you have to tread on either side. It's yin and yang. It, it is. It is. Well, you obviously were in season two of the show, and that means that you yes. are sandwiched between season one and the person who referred you who was Maple Dzwar, yeah. and Elaine Huang, who you introduced yes. for season three. So first of all, are you in touch yeah. with Maple Dzwar? Actually, I am not. This whole uh, stand-up comedy society, I mean, I don't interact with them much because I miss them so, so much. It's been a bit painful, actually, to keep in touch with them. Well, I have good news for you because Maple is not in Shanghai. She's actually in the UK. So she's also dislocated from China. <laughs> oh, is that good news? Well, good thing. She's, she's closer to me than I thought. That's good to know. Maybe I can meet Maple even. All right. Well, if you meet her, then send me a photo. <laughs> I sure will. I promise. And then the person who I mentioned who you referred for season three. And of course, this is the episode where we will include your update is Elaine Huang. Yeah. So how about you and Elaine? Yeah. We're still in contact, not that often. Yeah. But it's, you know, with these friends who you've known for many, many years and they live abroad, it's like six months pass and then you say hi and then you chat a little bit. We both have birthdays in May. Every single year she remembers my birthday, I forget hers. <laughs> but this year I remember hers. I think that was the last time we spoke. It's nice to remember now and again so that you keep the guanxi going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also great to catch you. I know that you are on holiday, so thank you for giving me your time. Thank you. Uh, I got very happy when you wrote to me about this catch-up. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Oscar. How are you? I'm well, and it's great to see your face. Because last time we saw each other, you were in my apartment, and yeah. I think you had a flight booked to the UK maybe two or three days after that conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now it's been 18 months. I'm guessing you're still in the UK, right? Yeah, I am in the UK. Do you think I look slim? Yeah, actually. Is that because you hate the food so much? <laughs> Because there's nothing to eat. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem. This is why I've gained weight, because I've got a taste for Chinese food. And it does have an effect on your body, right? 
Exactly. Here, it's just bread and salad. There's no oil. <laughs> well, what is your situation then? Where are you right now? I'm in London right now. I'm just having a day off today. A day off from what? So, what is your everyday life these days? So right now, I graduated from university. So after that, I'm just、uh, working in the you know IP sector, like further education sector. Oh right. Yeah. Well,、um, congratulations on finishing the masters. And for everyone who maybe didn't hear our original episode, you were doing comedy when you were in yeah, China, but that was your night job. Your day job was always in education, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in Shanghai, I had a drama school. All my like career experience is all like teaching, like teacher training, or in education sector. I think for me, I want to just like、uh, first get my job sorted, and then I'll pick up my hobby.、Uh, I haven't done the gig yet. But I was watching comedy like open mics, so I kind of like observing what their、uh, material is like because the jokes are so different. Because I realized all、oh, the China joke doesn't work, so I'm just writing materials. I booked one open mic, but there are three month waiting list. Oh so my, god! Yeah, so I will be going for a try <laughs> and see what it looks like.、And、the thing is,、uh, whenever you create an art piece, it takes time to create. I have like around an hour material, but to build that an hour, I probably prepared for three years. Yes. And when I coming over here, I realize, oh, I don't even understand these people. Like, if I don't understand the culture, don't understand the people, how can I go on there to make them laugh? I I need to know more. I don't want to just put myself there, because when you put yourself out there, people say, oh, you're good. Let me book you another gig. Let me book you another one. There will be more, but then you don't have anything to say. You don't have more material. Right. I don't want to like show my face for the sake of it. Yeah, I want to be a content writer. Yes, especially joke. It takes time.、Yeah. Look, as far as you leaving China when you did, I think it was the right time, especially when it comes to comedy, because there were two things that happened. I think stand-up comedy it did grow in terms of Chinese language stand-up comedy、yeah. in China, but for the English language comedy, it's been more and more marginalized. I think、yeah. audiences are getting smaller and smaller. The Chinese comedy they're not going really well as well because. At the beginning, they have like different organizations doing it, but then later on, it become a business. So like a big one buying the small ones,、right. and then whenever it becomes a business, people using that as a quickest way to get famous. A lot of the young Chinese comedian, they've just got like one or two good jokes, and then they maybe presentable. They got selected to the company. A company will sign up maybe a hundred comedians, but then they won't cultivate you. Because they won't make jokes for you. You have to write yourself. If you can stand out, that's great. But if you can't, we we're not helping you. Whenever you sign for the company, it's a ten years contract. Oh wow! So for a ten years, rarely one or two will stand out. It's like a pyramid, right? One or two、mm. will stand out. The rest of it, if you want to do a gig outside, no, you can't because you have to follow、You're、the、stuck. company's、yeah. the company's policy. So if you're gonna get out, you have to pay the money. So a lot of the company actually making money because people cancel the contract. They make you money in that way as well. And the people who are actually stand out, you realize, oh, they're not funny anymore, or they don't do comedy anymore. They went to a live TV show or reality TV show. Why they do that? Because as I said, those material take years to build. You put on TV, people are expecting more, but you don't have more.、Mm-hmm. But you're already famous, so they kind of just like do random things and not funny. They just all lost it. I feel really interesting. Because I have a lot of friends who are doing comedy. So we we keep constantly like checking to each other. When you are up, you never know you are up. Like I realize、uh, right now, looking back, I was like, oh my god, that was my peak. <laughs> you were touring across like Thailand and Singapore, and yeah, yeah. it was. It, I mean, if you had just gone up, 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 I think your comedy would have become more and more constrained. You would、you、rather 
you need to suffer. You need to suffer, man. Yeah. Well, Maple, I remember that you referred Bjorn for season yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now this update is going to be at the end of season three with the lady who Bjorn referred, which was wow. actually a lady called Elaine Huang. She is a, a film director. Do you know Elaine? No. <laughs> <laughs> but now you are connected. This is how the mosaic well, is going to work. I feel like, you know, so nice talking to you because I remember when I first met you in the coffee shop, you just had this idea. You haven't right. even started. I remember that coffee. Whenever I walk past that place on Fuxing Lu, I think it was. Whenever I'm in that area, I think about you, Maple. Oh, that's nice. That's really well, nice. Well, you must catch up with Bjorn because Bjorn is currently in Sweden. He's also stuck outside of China. And I don't think he even realized that you were in the UK. So at some point, you guys have got to meet up. I'll, I'll talk to him. Yeah, yeah, you should. Because since you're both part of the mosaic, let me be the thing that keeps you together. Oh, that's so nice. You are the connector of everything. <laughs> there you go. I wish you good luck in everything that you do, Maple. Oh. Thank you. And your accent has changed. You've got a little bit more English since I last spoke with you. <laughs> Did I? A few words. I can't remember which ones they were now, but they, they jumped out like, oh, she's picked up some English there. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you're coming back, I'm still here. We would definitely catch up. I will let you know. Thank yeah. you, Maple. Stay in touch. Thank you, Oscar. Bye-bye.